welcome back to the Doxology Podcast. I'm Lucas Stock. And I am Jens Nelson. Or Jensen, as Lucas likes to call me. As your parents named me. gave you your <laughs> your christian name sir okay, this true. is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the christian faith join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the christian life striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church well jensen <laughs> we are back for another friday creeds and confessions episode um i think by now we don't need to explain anymore that we're doing this instead of Christians of History for now. Um, and we are on part two of uh, the Athanasian Creed. So we kind of gave a little bit of an introduction to what the Athanasian Creed is, and especially that it's very long <laughs> um, last week. Um, and if you missed that, then definitely go listen to that before or instead of this one, because this is part two and really you should get part one before part two, especially in a creed. But um, we are on the second chunk, the second part as we're dividing it up, um, which roughly is, uh, you know, part one is the Trinity and part two is the incarnation. So with that as kind of a general outline of it, let's go ahead and read part two. All right. Here we go. All right. Furthermore, it is necessary to everlasting salvation that he also believe rightly the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the right faith is that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God and man. God of the substance of the Father, begotten before the worlds, and man of the, subst- of the substance of his mother, born in the world. Perfect God and perfect man of a reasonable soul and human flesh subsisting, equal to the Father as touching his Godhead and inferior to the Father as touching his manhood, who, although he was God and man, yet he is not two but one Christ, one not by conversion of the Godhead into flesh, but by taking of the manhood, uh, the manhood into God, one together, not by confusion of substance, but by unity of person, for as the reasonable soul and flesh is one man, so God and man is one in Christ, uh, who suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose again the third day from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of the Father, God Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead, at whose coming all men shall rise again with their bodies and shall give account for their own works." And they that have done good shall go into everlasting uh, life, and they that have done evil into everlasting fire. This is the Catholic faith, which except a man believe rightfully, he cannot be saved. Well, um, yeah, so the Athanasian Creed is pretty, is pretty harsh. (laughs) I'd say so. Uh, We didn't really, we didn't, it didn't really come up last week, but um, it is true that it doesn't mince words and that's perhaps worthy of a longer conversation um you know what exactly that means or what exactly it entails to believe that um but i i think what's probably maybe maybe i'm wrong about this feel free to push back if you disagree um jens but i i feel like what's probably more worthwhile focusing our time on is what what it is that we have before us about the incarnation. 
Right. Um, Agreed. About what is the content of our faith regarding the 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 word becoming flesh, um, right. as as John says. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. It's cool. You know, relatively recently. I mean, it's been a little bit now, but relatively recently, we did a whole episode on Christological heresies. Just a few weeks ago, we talked about um, the middle section of the Nicene Creed, which is all about the Son, and even a lot of the language um, here is taken from that section, um, uh, particularly, you know, uh, the part about him his having the same substance, descending into hell, rising again, sending, you know, a lot of there's a lot of overlap, which makes sense, and there are. I think a lot of implications about what the Athanasian Creed here is saying, because there's a few, a few parts where I think it goes, it goes much further than the Nicene Creed does in terms of like the nitty gritty of the incarnation, right. if that makes sense. Um, he's perfect God and perfect man of a reasonable soul and human flesh. Uh, he's equal to the Father as touching his Godhead, but inferior to the Father as touching his manhood. Like, this is is more detailed language than the Nicene Creed gives. Um, and it's more, I mean, I mean, detail is probably the right, just the best word. It's just more detail about what it means for the Son to be incarnate as man. Um, I mean, we could probably, you know, we could spend forever exploring that we but um one thing that i wanted to, to just point out real quick is we, we we took a little bit of time to talk about how they're all all three persons of the trinity are equal last week um and here it's saying that oh well the son's inferior to the father as touching uh his manhood what is that you know i thought you said they were all equal well what i think it, what's important is the as touching part of that sentence where he has, he's equal to the father as touching his Godhead. So he's reiterating that we're talking about the son who the divine second person of the Trinity is the same son that we talked about in the first section. Um, and as touching his manhood, he's inferior to the father, meaning he has a real manhood. He really has the human nature from his mother born in this world. Um, that has that has uh, he has taken to himself, and in his manhood he is finite. He is, he gets hungry. He's tired. Uh, he's 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 limited. He you know as Philippians two said he's he empties himself and takes on the, the form of a slave. Um, so the inferiority is not eternal. The subordination of the son is not eternal. To kind of bring it back to what we were talking about last week. Um, but again, the ins and outs of all that are probably worth a whole episode on <laughs> eternal subordination. So, you know, maybe we'll do that one day. But um, I, just, I did just want to point that out since it, you know, is kind of sticks out to me. Yeah. You know, we, we don't, we don't, too often Jesus and inferior don't go in the same sentence. <laughs> so, <laughs> I um, so I, it's, it's worth pointing out, I think, they, that they are in the same sentence because there is a there you know this is a a, a time when it is appropriate to say that um, but just we have to make sure we're <laughs> clear on what we are and more importantly are not saying right um, well it's fitting yeah. it's fitting because right now 
uh, it's the beginning of Advent, you know, recording this episode also on the first day of, of Advent. And so as we, as we, happy new year, by the way, happy new year. Um, (laughs) we, as we, as we celebrate and look forward to and look back for both at his first coming and uh, await his second coming, uh, I think it's fitting here. I, I really liked the the sentence where it says, um, uh, he, it says, one together, not by confusion of substance, but by unity of person. And one of the beautiful things here, and what comes to mind for me is, again, unity and diversity. Um, it's not that Christ has a diversity where he's both God and man, and those two are distinct, as though like sometimes he operates as God, and then other times he operates over here as man. Um, so he's he, there's not this confusion, but there's a unity. God and man are truly united together in Christ. You know, we, it, it sort of calls back to that theosis episode uh, where we talked about what um, God cannot, or how does, how does it word, how is it worded again? Uh, uh, God became man so that man might become God. Is that what you're, what you're, there's, th- there's that one. Um, I thought there was also something else like, oh, uh, what's assumed is not redeemed. Yeah, basically. Yeah, like what, mm-hmm. like, so basically, if Jesus did not assume human flesh and what it truly means to be human flesh, uh, human flesh cannot be redeemed. Um, and so heaven and earth collide here in Christ, where the eternal and the created become unified. And this is something of a mystery in the incarnation, obviously. It's something that we cannot fully grasp or understand or maybe even appreciate. Um, but this creed, I think, does a really good job at least attempting to spell out what it means that the incarnation happened. I mean, it says in the very beginning that he also believes rightly the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a certain element in which it's important to know what the incarnation means and how the incarnation, you know, plays out in the world and then its implications for the Christian life today. Um you know, the, the, the other part of this that jumps out to me is always he descended into hell and rose again uh, the third day from the dead. Uh, that's, that's again, a topic that I want to revisit in the future, but one that we've talked about in the Apostles' Creed episode, um, this idea that on Holy Saturday, um, so the day between his, res- or his um, death and his resurrection, uh, what happened? What took place on that Saturday in between? Um, and there's a lot of really good books that I think do a good job of explaining that. But anytime that language pops up, I know that there's probably some people who maybe cringe a little bit or maybe like that light bulb pops up in their mind like, whoa, what does it mean that Jesus descended into hell? Does that mean he descended to the place of eternal torment? Uh, does it mean he went to the place that souls go when they died before Christ's death? Um, so what happened to Abraham? What happened to Isaac and, and David and Moses uh, before Jesus? Um, I think there's a lot that can be explained there as well, but it's, it's apparently important enough to be included, not just in one creed, but in two of them and actually all three of them, just not as, not as plainly as the apostles and, um, Athanasian creeds do. Um, but I think it's important to obviously point out because it's here. So I don't, do you have anything you wanted to add? Um, I think that we've, we've, you know, throughout our little show here, um, but especially in in a few recent episodes, we we I feel like we've talked enough about some of the ins and outs of of traditional explanations and and beliefs about the incarnation. That that as much as I would love to just spend <laughs> every episode forever just talking about uh, you know person and substance and union, um, I, I don't think we really need to. 
Um, I do think, you know, I, I don't want to skip over it. I didn't mean to do that in the beginning. Um, it is necessary to everlasting salvation that he believe rightly the incarnation. Um, all men shall rise again. And of course, that's that's men, not males. So all humanity, all humans will rise again, give account for their works. They that have done good shall go into life everlasting and they that have done evil into everlasting fire. And perhaps most, to me, this one just kind of reverberates more loudly in my head. This is the Catholic faith, which except a man believe faithfully, he cannot be saved. Um, it is harsh. It's scary, I think, to hear things like that. It's certainly uncomfortable to hear things like that. It maybe, you know, depending on your background or context, isn't popular, isn't easy to say things like that or to hear things like that even. Um, and whatever we want to say about that everlasting fire, which I think there is a lot to say, I don't think it's, it's, you know, I don't think it needs to be this quick, you know, quick fix, easy answer either way, whatever you want to say about the everlasting fire, um, quote unquote, that's just, that's the terminology used here. Um, I, I do think there's a lot of nuance and important discussion to be had about what exactly we want to say about that. Um, we, we should want to say something about it because mm. it's not just here in this creed. It's not just here in the creeds. It's, it's, uh, it's not just in some fun medieval poetry, you know, um, there, there is something that we need to, to wrestle with. Um, topics like this make me think of Paul's admonishment to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, um, which is a very stark verse to me in general, but particularly coming to these moments uh, either in my own life or with regards to certain doctrines that are just not pleasant, not the way I would have come up with it if I was God, um, which is just the height of arrogance to say that sentence out loud. But, um, you know, hell is not exactly something that I would have invented if I could have my own way. You know what I mean? Um especially the way that it's often portrayed, which, you know, like I said, there's a lot to be said about that. But um, the fear and trembling thing, I think, is very appropriate to bring up here because we're not seeking, like we said last week, we're not seeking to name names and exclude them from the church and, and salvation or to push them away from life everlasting to everlasting fire. I have no interest in doing that, and I wouldn't be able to do that even if I did have an interest in doing it. Um, I'm no authority. However, God's word that he's revealed to us is the authority, and um, uh, this creed is an exposition of that authoritative word, and it, it therefore has the authority of um, preaching the word to us. And so, all that to say, there are lines in the sand that are being drawn by all of these three Catholic creeds that we've talked about so far over the course of this podcast. Those lines in the sand ought to be noticed because they do exclude certain ideas. And the reason they exclude certain ideas is because those ideas are harmful 
to the spiritual future and present well-being of people. And they, because of that harm, they need to be excluded. They need to be fenced out in order that we can be in line with what God's word teaches us, uh, what God's word taught us when he walked the earth and what he teaches us when it's written down and handed down to us as it has been. Um, I do want to say, oh, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. I was no. going to say, without those lines in the sand and fences to keep these harmful ideas out, we lose the gospel and thus our hope of salvation. Right. And that's why it's important to have boundaries, and it's important that those boundaries are tested by time, and the only boundaries that are time-tested are the ones that are founded on the foundation of God's Word, right. <laughs> which is why we look to these creeds and confessions that we have spoken about and will speak about um, to help illuminate what those guideposts are for right. us for the sake of not dry you know orthodoxy in a vacuum but orthodoxy that is the living gospel of jesus christ for the salvation of the world hopefully that we can better uh, share with those who need to hear it um when we understand what it's not saying and mm -hmm. what it is saying and what the stakes are so whether whether that means uh, you're someone who's listening, who you know is thinking of a particular family member or friend who doesn't know the Lord, um, or you yourself are listening and you know you have found your way here and you and you don't know the Lord, you're not walking with Him. Um, I I I hope it's coming across that the reason we're doing what we're doing, you know, big picture, but also smaller picture with this creeds series, is to better you know sort of like put the right like like I, I wear prescription glasses like to put the right prescription on so we can see clearly mm. when we're looking at who god is and what he has done to us for us with us in us amongst us and told us which is the gospel of his son um for the salvation of 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 the world and and i i just i hope that that message lands with somebody who's listening and I hope that I can be better shaped through this exercise of studying these creeds to be shaped by the word of God, the faith once delivered to the saints that has come down to us today, again, for the sake of the world, for the life of the world. Um, and I, I think to me, that's, that's what I think we need to hear and see when we hear something like, except a man believe this faithfully, he cannot be saved. You know, it, it's, it's, frightening because it should be hmm. um and and it's not frightening because it's a grumpy old man in the corner you know kicking people out of the club or whatever um or some kind of you know abusive father figure casting people out um it it's frightening because it's it's the the truth is a narrow road not a wide highway right um i don't I just know. want I just want to say earlier, before I interjected, like, you know, I apologize for that, but um, I was thinking like, this is, this is real and practical. This isn't just theologizing for the sake of, of talking about it. Like recently, um, I think maybe some of you might've seen it on our social media, but I was actually on this like panel 
um, with some old friends from a church that I worked at back in the city. And they, they're in this series where they're talking about how to love your blank enemy. So they've talked about how to love your political enemy, how to love your um, theological enemy. And so I happen to be like a guest panelist on the episode of how to love your theological enemy. And the host, who is my friend Anthony, he, he, he was trying to make the point that he thinks that the church has gone way too far so he, he, he envisioned like a seesaw, like a teeter-totter going back and forth. His envision was that like, he thinks that a lot of the church has gone too far on the side of doctrinal purity and not far enough on the side of unity. So he was pitting those two against each other, uh, purity and unity, and we've swung too far the way of purity. And so one of his questions is like, well, what does it look like to, to have unity or what does it mean to have unity? Like, how important is doctrine? And I sort of contended that like, they should be held in tension. They shouldn't be teetering to either side. Like doctrine, the the things that we believe and having unity should go hand in hand because just like what we're seeing here, this is doctrine. This is like real life application of what scripture teaches. This is what it, this is. These are things that we ought to believe for our salvation. Um, but at the same time, just like Christ has unity within the Godhead, so we ought to have unity amongst the body, even when we differ theologically on certain things. Like there's nothing in here about baptism, you know, its mode or its methods or its means. Um, and, and so we can have some discussion on that and still consider ourselves brothers, as we've said countless times before. Uh, but at, one of the things that I brought up in this conversation was um, the fact that scripture and tradition are guardrails. So I I said, you know, envision a highway. You have guardrails on either side. Maybe they're concrete, maybe they're metal, whatever. Um, But you have things that divide a highway so that you either don't cross over the median into oncoming traffic, and so you don't go off the road into the ditch on the other side. And theologically speaking, as Christians, we have scripture. We have what scripture teaches on, on the one side. And on the other, we do have tradition. So we have creeds and confessions. We have church calendars. We have um, the history of the church. And that's not to say that those things are on the same playing field as far as authoritatively. Obviously, scripture is our supreme authority, uh, but tradition is also very important in the life of the church. Um, and so as we, as we live this life, as we walk down this road, as we um, travel this narrow path, we need to have those ideas held in tension, that scripture and tradition inform our theology Um, But that as we do theology, as we seek doctrinal purity, because it matters if we believe rightly, as the creed says, there is an element in which we ought to believe rightly certain things. And at the same time, it it ought not come at the expense of unity. We should be um, unified, not superficially, um, but in a sense that we can be brothers, where we can love each other, where we can confess Christ and, and, and live faithfully in this world. And, and theology is for the church. The, theology is done um, amongst brothers and sisters. Um, and and not, now I'm, I'll, I'll end my rambling. So I don't know if you want to have any concluding thoughts. No, I, I think we've, I think we've covered, covered everything I'd want to cover. Um, I appreciate those thoughts a lot. I think that I, I just, you know, I, I don't know, maybe this reflect some of my own insecurities or uh you know pride issues or whatever i just i just hope whoever's listening hears our heart you know because because we've had enough conversations over the years not being recorded and publicly 
you know, released that I, I know where you're coming from. Even, even if you don't say where you're coming, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like I just, I know you, we have unity um, because we have this relationship. And, and so hopefully I just hope that that what really is genuinely our hearts and our heart as a podcast hope, I hope that that comes out, Um, you know, and I know that whatever we say, there's going to be people who disagree. There's going to be people who love it, who hate it, who hate us, who love us, you know, that that's fine. You know, I just, I just hope that ultimately you can hear sort of hear through us and hear God in what we're trying to say, if that makes sense, whether we're talking about a particular doctrine or we're reading through a creed, whatever it is. Um, and, And I, I, I think we, we've expressed that and, and ultimately, expressed it in the words of these, you know, now three creeds in total that we've covered, um, you know, two on the last few weeks and then one way before, but, <laughs> um, and I just, ho- I, I do hope that that resonates with, with somebody. Um, but anyway, um, I do want to thank, we want to thank, uh, everyone listening, uh, really, really deeply, um, for tuning into, um, today and any other episode of, the doxology podcast if you'd like to connect with us as always we are on twitter and instagram at doxology podcast you can shoot us an email at doxology podcast at gmail.com we welcome your feedback your questions comments ideas for future episodes um especially like future confessions and and stuff that you'd want us to cover we've got a lot of ideas um without spoiling anything i will make a note that we are too reformation christians so that's going to guide our trajectory in terms of confessional documents so perhaps if you know of some non-reformational documents that might be worthwhile checking out that people might not be super familiar with that'd be helpful but uh any ideas you have or questions or comments um, we'd love to hear from you and until next time we will see you later